Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall. I'm with my guys, Robbie Falke and Mike Guillory. How you guys doing? I'm good, man. I uh, can't complain on my side. How about you guys? I'm over here just stroking my hand, salivating, waiting for this MJ documentary to come out in a couple days. Excited. Yes, sir. Yes. And uh, shout out to guests for throwing us on their little Instagram yeah. story today. It was nice to, nice to see uh, see us getting some love. Obviously, we are planning to talk a lot about this documentary and the 97-98 Bulls. Look out, Mama. We made it. <laughs> I mean, 7.7 million followers. That's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty nice shout out. As always, uh, we want to we want to shout out a review on iTunes. Um, I think we are at ATS six ten, the best there is. I'm a longtime sneaker lover, but I wasn't into sneaker culture until recently. The Sneaker History Podcast is the perfect counterpoint to the gatekeepers, clout fiends, and trolls that make up most vocal part of the community. They make sneaker collecting fun. I love hearing about the history of the great shoes, as well as diving deeper into recent news and trends. Each member of the podcast has their own distinct part to play in Voltron. <laughs> Wow, Voltron. Dude, <laughs> each member each member of the podcast has their own distinct part to play in Voltron that is a sneaker history podcast. Nick is a sneaker scholar, Robbie has near perfect comedic timing, and Mike's enthusiasm for sneakers makes it all feel so relatable. The Sneaker History Podcast opens up sneaker culture to everyone, and every sneakerhead should listen to the Sneaker History Podcast. I don't I'm, I don't even know what to say, man. ATS six ten, thank you for that review. That's exactly what we are striving for with the podcast. Yeah, I'm getting that tattooed on my arm, the whole comment. <laughs> Next tattoo right there. So <laughs> to, to reference Joe Pesci, so you think I'm funny? You think I'm like a clown? <laughs> <laughs> no, for real though, uh, it, that's some great feedback and we appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review. If you have a minute to leave us a review, head over to iTunes. We're only a couple away from hitting that magical number 100 that we've been hoping to reach. If you want more from from the crew, we drop episodes on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash sneaker history. But enough business. I think we're all super, super stoked to talk about this Last Dance documentary. And most importantly for us, at least right now, is that we want to talk about the sneakers that were worn. I think it would be important to kind of set the stage for this whole conversation and episode because... The Bulls in the 95-96 season 
were not only, you know, 72 and 10, arguably the best team of all time, but the anticipation from the whole entire world, Michael Jordan being back to his prime and, you know, winning championships again after his retirement is something that I think doesn't come across in a lot of the stories that you hear today when you read a story or, or watch something on TV about these, about this like dynasty that the Bulls had for three or four years. And one of the things that I always think about about that was you can't imagine another situation where truly the greatest person in sports at the time just walks away from the game. And as a kid, the anticipation for him to come back to the game. I mean, I'm a baseball fan, so I was excited for him to play baseball, even more Arizona Fall League, Scottsdale Scorpions gear in high school because I was such a fan of Jordan and, you know, baseball. But obviously basketball was where where it was for everyone. And the amount of time that that little taste that we got when he came back, we're in the Chicago 10s, we're in the 45, and you didn't really feel like it was him just made it made you want the real Michael Jordan, you know, not to be cliche, but the real Michael Jordan that much more. And obviously you got what you were hoping for with the 72 and 10 bulls, but then you get into the whole three-peat mentality, right? You see them win 95, 96, 96, 97, they, they back it up. Going into 97, 98, you don't realize that MJ is going to retire, right? And I can't remember exactly the point that he announces that he's going to retire. But on top of them just being the team to watch and him being the man, you also get all of those battles of Jordan and Kobe, Jordan and Iverson, Jordan and Grant Hill. You got a lot of things in 95, 96 that started heavily hinting at the changing of the guard when it comes to the NBA. And I think one of the most important things about all of those players surrounding MJ during that time, including his teammates, was the amount of crazy sneakers looking back. Like, I, I think it's hard to argue that that early to mid 90s run of sneaker, the sneaker business, because I think like the culture of sneakers was still kind of sort of underground, I guess, but it was just an insane amount of like dope sneakers. And I think anybody that's listening to this probably can remember digging through East Bay catalogs, looking up what people were wearing, trying to identify stuff while you saw guys on court. And to me, that is something that I don't know that we'll ever, ever see again in our lifetime. Well, you definitely won't because even if you want to rewind it all the way back to 1985, sneaker culture is because of Michael Jordan. Like he was so well marketed and the shoes were so good and he was so talented that he, he, I want to say he created the demand. Like obviously there were the Dr. J's and the magics before him, but right place, right time for Michael Jeffrey. He really started it. And by the time he was ending, you know, he, he created this baby. And as he was leaving, you could kind of think of it as, you know, his kid's going away to college. He, he's, he's leaving himself in the past and his child, a.k.a. sneakers, will continue on without him. And, um, yeah, it starts with Jordan and it kind of ended 
both literally and figuratively with Jordan and that 98 Bull team for his, for his career. One crazy thing I just thought of with Nick saying that, because I was really young, uh, I guess I probably, yeah, I was eight during this time, uh, this this playoff run, that the championship run, and realizing that there was no way to go, oh, I'm going to look up, you know, I'm going to go to this website, look at the shoe you had on. You had to be sh- a straight up, like, CSI agent to figure out what shoe they had on. Like, okay, let me, if I didn't record it on VHS where I can pause and go back, I have to have like a photographic memory to go to East Bay and put all the pieces together. So that is crazy how people like, people now will never know like the work to figure out what shoe it was because you have a strong possibility of going and buy the wrong thing and you're stuck with it at that point unless you, you find somebody who wants to buy it from you. But, um, Damn, man, that's just a looking at the shoes as we're kind of doing our prep for the show today. This is just a heck of an era of, of, of sneakers. Um, just I, I think Robbie hits it right on the head. I don't think it can be replicated. Um, and it's just because Michael Jordan was the guy and he was sneaker culture. I mean, there's a lot of classics out there, of course, before him. But for what he did for both basketball and the sneaker world, I don't think anybody else is doing that anytime soon. If ever. It's crazy, too, because for me, it was the first time that I remember, you know, literally, like, if you got an East Bay catalog, you know, we we used to get, like, five for the house, one for each of the kids and one extra room for the bathroom. Like, I I say that, and it sounds like a joke, but, like, we literally did that because... (laughs) <laughs> you know, we, my brothers and I, even my sister would go through and circle the stuff that we wanted. And like, that was our magazine, right? That was the closest we were getting to, to ever getting those shoes for the most part. So to me, that was a, that was just like a very poignant moment of connecting what was going on in this like fantasy world of pro sports and like what I had in my hands, you know, it kind of evolved obviously through Jordan's career and in, in the last of the second three Pete, but what I think too, you know, to, to like reiterate, like the amount of shoes that the amount of special sneakers that were worn by the team itself is unbelievable. You just don't see it even to this day. So I want to just run through the roster of the 97, 98 bulls real quick to start out. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, to the specifics and who wore what as we go through the episode, but it's crazy to think that, all of these players, not all these players wore Nikes, but all of these players were very well, well taken care of, very well taken care of by MJ, by Nike, by the brands. I think that says a lot to, like Robbie said, Michael kind of creating this energy around sneakers because it wasn't just Michael on court. We were watching everybody's sneakers on court during these games. So love the OKC Thunder, everybody rocking the creamsicles. It's that, but earlier and bigger and badder. Yeah, most definitely. Yep. Let me run through the list here. Start off with Randy Brown, uh, Judd Bushler, Jason Caffey, James Edwards, Jack Haley, Ron Harper, Michael Jordan, Steve Kerr, Tony Kukoc, Luke Longley, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, John Sally, Dickie Simpkins, and Bill Wennington. Now, just think about Dickie Simpkins winning a championship ring. Uh, never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> think about and the best damn sports show ever. I used to love watching that show with him on it. 
What show? Um, best damn sports show. Period on Fox Sports West. It was it was on all the Fox Sports yeah. channels back in the day. But you don't remember yeah, like, yeah. Tom Arnold and him. This was I saw the pictures like wait John Scott was on the scene. I <laughs> yes, there he. Is. Yep. I think the best place to start in terms of sneakers is probably probably at least the Jordan 12 to start because MJ had his, you know, they, they won the second title, the second, I guess the fifth of the, of his six rings. He's wearing the Jordan 11 or sorry, the Jordan 12s playoffs. And then um, obviously like the black and reds, but those are the shoes that he starts off the 97 to 98 season in. And it's not just MJ, right? It's MJ. It's Randy Brown. It's Luke Longley. I think Pippen wore 12s at one point. There's a lot of guys on the team that that wore Jordans the same time as MJ. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think that goes back to the whole we were talking about the cream circles and I mean, first of all, the shoes were spectacular at the time and they still are now. But I think it's just pretty cool to see like majority of the team wearing each other's shoes and I don't know, this is really cool because it wasn't just. I mean, I know we're talking about the 12 right now, but I, I mean, it happened with every, some other players on the court that we will get to later. But I don't know. It's just really cool to see that the support from the other guys on your team. I guess before we go further down the Jordans, because that's the easy route for us, let's step back and look at some of the players that may have worn some heat that was a little, a little more under the radar. Um, I think you could look at, obviously – Tony Kukoc and Ron Harper being like kind of, you know, sixth man area guys that still had crazy heat, right? One of you guys want to talk about, I mean, Ron Harper obviously wore a ton of stuff. Tony Kukoc obviously wore a lot of Jordans. Man, Ron Harper was the poor man's Gary Payton. (laughs) (laughs) But still amazing. Like that's not a knock on Ron Harper, but just like we always talk about how it's all about Rodman and it's all about Pippen and even MJ as like the elite defenders. But you know, he had some legs on him. He could definitely play defense and Ron Harper was known as a defender. Um, I think the jump man, um, you know, the team Jordan, right. The team Jordan one, jump man one, um, the shoe we all kind of love, but not a lot of people own. Um, that shoe was really kind of, it was really the first time, that like we thought about outside of numerical Jordans being dope. And it's even cooler when you break it down literally of team Jordan and he's on the team with Jordan and he has other people on his team rocking the team Jordan. That's a lot of circle, but like the power of it to look like the 12, but not be because the rest of the roster plays with Michael, but they're not Michael. I think there's like levels to that naming and the players that wore it like Ron Harper that just make it really a really cool factoid in sneaker history. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, besides the what jump man, he wore a few different things. He, he wore the 13s. He wore the air moving up tempo, which is probably an obscure one that you guys may hear. Um, we were talking earlier, and we think it retroed at some point, but it with a different name because it just didn't look familiar. But yeah, man, he 
He had a little bit of everything. He got love from Jordan Brand. He got love from, from Nike. I mean, same same company basically. But it's like they let him into a room. It's like, hey, pick anything Bulls color that uh, that you want, and just come on out. So kind of interesting to think about. We'll throw up a picture on on the Instagram of the moving the air moving up tempos. If you think about like the the time frame of this, the the air more up tempo had come out the previous season, right? The big air on the side, like big blocky letters. We all know that shoe. Most of us love that shoe. And the following season, there's the air max up tempo, which is obviously a great shoe. Seen that retro plenty of times, right? But the moving up tempo almost seems like more of a second generation of the of the more up tempo because you have that kind of big branding on the side right like the air on the heel of the moving up tempo is not it doesn't take up the whole shoe but it's by far one of the biggest like and all it says is air which is crazy because you just don't you know what i mean you don't see just air it's really interesting to think of it in the timeline of how nike was kind of progressing these like I don't want to call them takedown models, but like it was really like the the kind of like just below the signature models, right? Like their top tier basketball shoes were still progressing in a very similar way that you might see like in an actual signature line. And that doesn't always happen the same today because it might last for a couple of years and then they switch it up and they try something new. But um, go ahead. it's not just that, it's the toe box too, right? Like the toe swoosh. And the whole sh- shape of the first like one fourth of the shoe looks just like the air more up tempo. And it's just, you're right. Nowadays, like the, for example, like the zoom rev, right? Zoom rev between year one and the third iteration look completely different. They don't borrow any of the same elements here. They would just keep, you know, the same formula, but it's, you know, take out some ingredients, put some in, uh, make a barbecue sauce and do a ketchup, you know, it's like doing some stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I think too, like kind of in that same vein, right? Like uh, you've got, you've got like, um, you know, the, the, the Hawk flight, the, you know, like the, the flight 97, um, stuff that guys like Steve Kerr wore, um, which, Seeing Steve Kerr now as a coach, you can't really fathom him like being the cool guy wearing sneakers because he doesn't look like the cool guy because he's so buttoned up. But um, he was that guy back then, right? Like you still looked up to him as one of the best pe- best players in the league, even though he's on a squad of, you know, arguably the best. I mean, what? He's like seventh on the list if you're picking out of this this roster. Shooting wasn't the premium, right? He was the specialist who got the pass from MJ and was told to shoot. You know, like it's a completely different ball game. And it's very interesting to hear when people like want to compare Steve Kerr's Warriors team versus Steve Kerr's teammates in the Bulls who would win. It's like you're asking two different alien cultures to meet up and have like a race. It doesn't make sense. It's wild though, because if you think about that, like imagine, cause okay, I'm going to, I'm going to probably maybe offend some people here, but Uh-oh. Steph Curry to me is one of the greatest shooters of all time. Right. But I would argue mm-hmm. that Steve Kerr was, was a better shooter oh. than Steph. He just was on teams that he wasn't, the, he wasn't the go-to guy. 
imagine if Steve Kerr had the opportunity to take 33 pointers in a game. You know, I'm I'm being facetious, but like imagine how many shots Steph Curry takes compared to how many shots Steve Kerr took in his career. I don't know, man. Like it's it's kind of crazy to think that you have easily one of the top 10. I'll I'll, I'll put it in words that people won't be offended by. Steve Kerr, easily <laughs> one of the top 10 three-point shooters in the history of the game as like a fourth or fifth option on the team. Like that's how crazy this squad was. Yeah, and I mean, it really does just show the difference in the errors. I mean, at that time, it was more you know mid range get to the basket. Now it's like, hey, can I shoot from the other basket? Actually, can I just shoot this whole ninety feet? So it's just a way different game. And I think when I always talk about, will people's skills transfer? You know, leaving MJ out because MJ will transfer to any error. But I think Steve Kerr, because of what happens now, yeah, I, I would say that he would be in the conversation of, of best shooter even in today's league because you said that he would have the chance. You're like, you know, fire away. Let's see what happens. And with the defense that's played now, I mean, no not to, you know, guys actually out there playing, but it's just – it's a different game. The game changed, you know, over the past 20 years. So, yeah, I, I can see him being a – being lights out now. I'm going to bite my tongue and not – we can just keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not, this this will be the comparison against Steph Curry. This is more like I can see how he would he would fare well in this in this league. I mean, the Steph Curry is crazy. I mean, just I didn't, I didn't get on I didn't get on Nick's level there. It's like kill <laughs> him later. <laughs> the fact that Steph can create his own three, push the three back is just like cool. Steve Kerr could could spot up. This is Devil's Advocate. And I don't even like Steph, but he can – he breaks the game. Like Steve Kerr, even if he's a great shooter, he doesn't break the game with his shooting. Steph breaks defenses apart. But, but okay, so here's my counterpoint to that. If Steph plays on a team with LeBron, does he still break the game? Because that's basically Kerr playing with Jordan. LeBron uh... – Oh, I think he would. I think Steph would because, again, the, you have to pick a different player because the way LeBron plays, he'll get Steph the ball. Um, we have to find someone else who doesn't really – James Harden. Um, <laughs> God damn it. I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that, all right? James Harden. <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't because you know why? James is going to stand there while I'm sadly crying while he's dribbling for 32 seconds. I'm like, uh, okay, well, all right, shot clock's over. Just – I think I think that's like that's a great debate. You could go back and forth on that for quite a while because there's arguments to both sides. And I'm really just, you know, also playing devil's advocate saying to bring it up. Right. But I just think like it, it kind of it kind of reiterates how great this team was that like someone that could shoot like that could shoot like Steve Kerr was almost not even thought of as an offensive threat, right? So anyway, I think we can move on um, to to some of the other to some of the other <laughs> players, other sneakers being worn. Mike, you wanna you wanna grab one next? Yeah, let's see who we got, who we got. So one of the shoes that was being worn a lot, um really don't want to jump into I guess we can, but one was worn by a lot of players were, were, the, were the Pippins were, were 
super popular with with a lot of players. I mean, you had, of course, Pippen. You had Kukoc. You had Kathy. Um, you had Winnington. I mean, just as many players wearing Jordans were wearing Pippins, which were, were again, it, it just shows that support for your teammate. Even though he was number two, he was the Robin to Jordan's Batman. He was still good enough to have people like, hey, I want to wear your shoe as well. And I mean, then with the Pippin, there was two versions. So with the one, at least the Pippin one, of course, is full length Air Max. But the PE switched out for a visible zoom, which correct me if I'm wrong, was i had never seen a shoe pre 2000s with visible zoom. Was that the first one that they'd done? But in, I guess it was a PE. So they didn't do visible zoom in it. They actually covered, they actually wrapped the the whole midsole. So okay. Apollo from Soul Collector actually did a story on it, like, I think way back in the day. I might even, I was, I was probably, was I at Soul Collector when he did that? I remember seeing the shoes in person, um, but I think the story came out maybe later in one of the issues. And it was basically... Um, so Aaron Cooper, who you probably know has designed a ton of shoes, but basically designed like the Pippin line through those first three, four years or whatever. And I want to say that Scotty, I don't remember what the story is. He didn't like the pillowy feel of the Air Max, it says. Yeah. So I, I know he didn't like the like crazy cushioning of the Air Max, but I think he played in something different that that made, you know, cause I'm imagining like he's been playing in the, the more up tempos. Right. So I wonder what that shoe was with zoom that he played in. That was like, Oh, I got to go to, to, to zoom. Was that the maestros or was that after this? The maestros, what wouldn't have been zoom. The, the, well, the, so the, no, that was, that was when Michael okay. retired. So that was like 95, 96. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was when he retired that, that didn't have. Hmm, now I'm wondering. I think it said internal air did not. Well, have maybe it had, maybe those since he played those before he got to the Maestro the, the course of his own signature line. Maybe that you know just that that air unit that they had in there, whatever it was. Maybe it was just a closer feel to the ground and maybe a little bit more court feel, and maybe that's what kind of drove him to that decision. I don't know. So I'm gonna pull a quote from the Soul Collector article here that uh, was done by Nick DePaula interview with Aaron Cooper. It says, as Aaron Cooper, the designer of each Pippin signature shoe, recalls, Scotty also had the man he so famously played alongside to thank. His Zoom Air version, that was MJ's contribution, reveals Cooper. When I started working with Scotty, MJ and Tinker were mentoring us both. At the time I started designing the Pippin 1, Scotty was loving the Air More that had the full-length airbag. So, of course, we wanted to continue with what Scotty liked and played in. However, somewhere along the design process... MJ convinced Pip that Zoom was a better technology for him. It was unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your love mm-hmm. of Big Air or versus Zoom, too late for us to change the design for production, but we could make Scotty his own special Zoom Air version. In the end, it all worked out. We built a great full-length version for all the lovers of Big Air, and we were also able to build Scotty a shoe to win another ring. Everyone was happy. Oh, there we go. Questions answered. It look, Yeah, it looks like... They just extended the foam down, like you said, just to cover the zoom. And the Maestro did just have air. It was not zoom. And that was when he was like in the all-star game without Michael Jordan. 
Yeah. So since we're on the topic of, of Pippins, I think one of the interesting things about the Pippin line as it progressed, the, the Pippin 2 uh, was actually so the Pippin 2 is 97 98 right he wears this in the in the um in the like we'll see this in the documentary right and the the shoe that mm-hmm. came out had the like plastic tpu midfoot piece and the actual sketches for the design called for a chrome plate instead which I think is really fascinating because if you think to other shoes that would have had that chrome plate, you're talking about like the and ones in 99, potentially like the Dada's that had that chrome plate. I can't think of it. There's probably others there, but it was basically, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it was basically a, I want to say like a, almost like a, an alternative for like the carbon fiber plates that you had seen in like, you know, the zoom flight 95, the Jordan 11, uh, any of the flight posit, you know, um, two threes had, had, you know, that same carbon plate, really interesting to think that they were toying with the idea of putting Chrome on it. And it turned out to be like this kind of TPU thing to me, it would have been better if it had the Chrome or at least the Chrome finish. Maybe that's just me glorifying the like design sketches that I saw, um, back in the day or whenever that was published, but just something I think about when I think about Scotty Pippins. So, <laughs> you know, you brought up the carbon fiber plate, tons of basketball shoes since the Jordan 11 have had that carbon fiber plate. And it's the easiest way to cut costs is just by removing that plate and switching it with the TPU. So not like the Pippin was a distinct takedown, but if you want to save costs and not use that same tech on everything, you don't have to use chrome. You don't have to use carbon fiber. You can just have good old plastic and it'll still get the job done. Yeah, but it's just that I think that carbon fiber, because everything wanted to be look fast like a sports car, and that's what sports cars had. I think that's why they would go ahead and like, hey, it's on a carbon fiber because we can all agree that that shank plate with the carbon fiber or those panels of carbon fiber just looks better. I mean, of course it looks premium because it comes at a premium, but it just looks better compared to the, you know, the plastic plates. I agree. I agree. What else we got coming? What else? What's, what's next on the list? Or I should say who's next on the list. <laughs> um, Let's see. Let's see. What you got, Robbie? So, I mean, why don't we just go into the ground and pull out a worm? Uh, okay. All right. That's a transition. But, I mean, it's cool because, like, obviously Rodman's worn a couple different brands in his life. But for me, it's all about the converse. Like, that's the nasty bleached hair I think of like San Antonio Spurs, just like the really, really weird looking Dennis Rodman and those really weird looking Converse. Um, I think we can all kind of start off with like the all-star Rodman, right? With the star sun type logo on the side and the teeth popping out and these big old bulky shack shoe looking things. Um, Those were like a statement piece. Like they weren't even really... I think a shoe designed for a lot of people to like, much like Dennis Rodman himself, that shoe is going to be for an acquired <laughs> taste. Um, 
I do. They look really good with Janko cool. jeans. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there's shoes like that. And then the all-star 91, another shoe that like kind of looks like a traditional converse, but has a very Rodman feel with like the big teeth poke, you know, poking out and has that bright red, you know, in front of that black and white base, kind of like his hair and tattoos would give like bright pops to him. So I think there hasn't ever really been, and this is my hot take. There's never been a set of shoes that coincide more with the athlete wearing them more than like the Rodman Converse. Like those are his shoes like embodied. I wanted to try to combat you on that, but I couldn't. <laughs> Just for the sake of being contrarian, I was like, I'm going to say something different, but I couldn't think of anything. I agree. I also think that Rodman probably had more input on his Converse shoes than most athletes had on their shoes at that time because he was such a wild card. And I think Converse was still, they were still super relevant in the basketball space, but they were really kind of, I feel like they were really looking to kind of push the envelope in terms of making shoes that really stood out because they knew that like that was their position in the market at that time where you didn't have, you know, like everybody was wearing Nikes, like a bunch of dudes were wearing Reeboks. Obviously Kobe came in with the Adidas, but like, like as crazy as it sounds, Converse was kind of like the outlier in that, in that like, you know, two, three years. Um, and I also think like the, them pulling, you know, like he has tattoos on his shoulders and on his like stomach that are almost the exact same as the, you know, design on the, on the side of the shoe of the, the all-star. Um, and I, I think that's, that's, you know, that's no coincidence, right? They're trying to make this, like, if you could have bleached hair on the shoes, they would have done that back in the day, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you had to make it stand out because you ha- when you have the Jordan 13, 14 Pippins, one and two, these up tempos, no one's, I mean, no disrespect, but no one's really giving Converse that attention. So you got to make it look like the most attention getting person on the court who's not Michael Jordan. So Dennis Rodman definitely has never been, uh, I guess, a poet. But there's this quote, I'll say it's not very well known. But it's don't let what other people think decide who you are. And I think Converse kind of took that and put it in the shoe, right? It's like don't let what other people think about this shoe decide what you're going to do with it. Just make the shoe and then let people decide what it is based off of what you've created. So it's like do you, be you, and, you know, kind of F the other people and their opinions. But it's like there's three, four – different shoes he wore in that time that are all just so not Chicago bull shoes. When you think about it, you think of how like clean, like the Jordans are and the up tempos and the Pippins and all like the air shoes. And you have this, I want to say like sore thumb, but <clears throat> it works like, so it's a sore thumb that works, right? Like they wouldn't have made it and we wouldn't be talking about it now if it wasn't cool, but it's like, what a risk to take. What a risk for the Bulls to sign him. And it's just like, it, it all works out in the end. Like, you get the championship. It all works. Yeah. 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 
I think when I, when I think of Rodman, I actually think of the, all, the Converse All Star Two Thousand, and a lot of people will remember that shoe from a lot of various different players that wore it throughout the league. A lot of t- college teams wore it. There was a bunch of team colors that were out there. If you, if you follow me on Instagram for any amount of time, you've probably seen me post them because I have a pair that I pull out occasionally to wear. But um, I remember that shoe because it was relatively inexpensive, but it was like, to me, the cool, still nostalgic feeling Converse, but it was still cool. So it wasn't quite like fully committed to being like Rodman crazy, but it still had like a very like clean aesthetic and that whole like 90s bulky basketball vibe. But what's crazy about that shoe, I remember like I was able to get the... I think I got like the, originally I got the Navy, the white and Navy pair, right? Team colors, you know, East Bay catalog. If you're thinking about it, it's probably like, you know, 40, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that on sale. Not a crazy expensive shoe, but to me it was a cool shoe because it was at least something that I knew was high level in the sports world where pros are playing in it. But I remember specifically my friend Mike got a pair of the ice blue colorway, And that was one of the first times that I ever saw, like, you know, on a non-Nike shoe, like a full translucent outsole. And it's kind of crazy to think that that kind of stuff was so new to the sneaker game. You know, like to, to Robbie's point when we first started talking, how this era just established so many things that we don't even think about now. And that shoe always reminds me of that. You know, the Converse All-Star 2000 always reminds me of that and always makes me think, damn, like things just like changed so quickly during that era. Yeah. And I mean, going back to Robbie's original point, uh, well, not original point, but the point he made about how that shoe just kind of embodied Robin. I don't I can't think of I mean, of course, all these players have input and they put the little personal touches like names of people um, and, uh, you know, their names or their special things on the shoe. But it was like they, I don't know, like that. If you put Dennis Robin and made him a shoe, that would be like make him into a shoe. That would be it. And it just did it so well because, again, Converse was not in, in this space to be as competitive as, you know, again, Nike and Jordan, since that's what we're talking about right now. Um, and I think they, these shoes were even. Classic enough, I think the was the All Star ninety one saw a, a retro, didn't they? I'm sure they did. I don't remember exactly when, but I'm sure they did. Yeah, I just remember seeing them when I was like, when I was a, a kid, and it was later than ninety one. So I was like, I feel like I saw these like again, and I don't know. I those were I think a special like piece of like basketball shoe history that is. Um, and deserve respect. I don't think people should ever look past that for any means. Yeah, I agree, man. I remember seeing them too. Mike, I was like, I don't know where, I don't know how, but I, that shoe was definitely retro at some point. Now, does it look, I, I, I can't, I'm trying to picture D Wade's shoe or at least whatever, I can't remember which one, but I feel like one of his shoes took a little bit of inspiration from that one, but I could be wrong and maybe just, a, maybe the color blocking is the black and red. But I feel like it, it's something like that. It, one of his uh it's his pretty close but it's 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 a kind of like just a through aesthetic that converse has where they kind of try to have that same 
I don't know. It's almost, it's almost like they go for like an old school look, even though obviously like these shoes look like they were meant for the nineties. The D Wades were slimmed down, mm-hmm. you know, the way mid two thousand shoes were. But I think that's kind of Converse's, you know, MO, even like up until more recent releases, right? This, this latest, like Chuck's, uh, pro what is it pro bb kind of thing i mean yeah. it's still one of those shoes mm-hmm. that even though it has a bunch of modern technology if you were to just look at it from afar you would think somebody's wearing something from you know decades back true true yeah that's a good point it's like a pro leather but just all new yeah exactly yep before we get into uh you know i think like the the pinnacle of all Let's talk about some of the stuff that guys like Bill Wennington, what Tony, and maybe let's save Tony Kukush, but like I think Bill Wennington and Luke Longley, right? <laughs> Something that I find really interesting about this era is big men wearing shoes that mattered to everyone because it just doesn't happen that way. It, it, it you know, other than Shaq's like, you know, short-lived moment in like 92, 93, maybe 94, if you're a big fan. Big men just didn't, you know, like I know it's cliche to say, but like big men don't sell sneakers. But if you look back at guys like Luke Longley and Bill Winnington on this team, and even Jack Haley for for a while, I'm sure, you know, they're kind of wearing some heat. Yeah, they weren't getting left behind. Uh, Let's see, you had... Winnington, he definitely was wearing the the Pippin twos, Longley. Um, I had a couple Longley were in. Oh, the Air Max Battle Force, which and when I looked it up, it looks very similar to the um, oh my god, it, the phone like the phone posit Max, the just a total Max. It looks like that same family of shoes, so super relevant for the time. I mean, it, that embodied '90s basketball shoe with just the full unit the super like heavy design i mean people like you said they were relevant to the masses it wasn't just oh that's a big guy i can't wear that one yeah i think too like it it kind of is interesting because the same way we talk about pippin you know switching up from the max cushioning going to zoom uh these guys the the, these guys like were wearing the up tempo, the more up tempos, you know, like mm-hmm. the pre the previous year. So they're they're wearing a shoe that that you know. Although I would say that the you know up tempos are are big shoes, right? They're not yeah. they're, they're not slim down like a Jordan or like a Pippin. But it's really interesting to think of those more up tempos, the battle battle force. What's the other one that I'm trying to think of? It's just crazy to see the big guys rocking, you know, sneakers that everybody on on the team would be, you know, wearing or open to wearing. So I don't uh, think I've ever seen Bill Wennington and Hopper from Stranger Things in the same place at the same time. <laughs> I'm just saying, could somebody check on that? Um, but Nick, you brought up a good point. Like, so at the time, those guys were wearing shoes that definitely were guard shoes but when you look at it now those things are clunkers and on top of that when you have a bigger player our brains now think oh give him air max like it's full length there that's going to be the best thing Mm -hmm. heavy ass guy you know but back then it's like 
outside of Shaq and the failed like Hakeem and even, you know, Patrick Ewing to a more uh, profitable extent, um, they just, they just weren't, they weren't cool. And these guys were wearing the exact same cool shoes as their guard counterpart. And they had been doing it because, you know, Bill was wearing like the, we'll bring it up again, like the Maestros and the Air Max, I mean, the Air Up Tempo 95s and 96, like, he was with it for a while. It wasn't anything new. And that just shows, you know, just a weird level of, I, I want to say like veteranness. That's not a real word. <laughs> the Bulls were all veterans. There weren't any rookies. There weren't any young people on that team. These were guys like seasoned in their craft. And I think the footwear kind of speaks to that in a in like a subliminal sense. I would agree. It's, it's just – it's just wild how times have changed. You know, we've gone from, I mean, there was still a ton of sneakers being made at this time, right? Like if you think of that, like just that year, right? You would have had, you know, Pippin, Jordan, the team Jordans, the, the Jumpman series Jordans, right? Like this is like um, the pro quick, the pro strong. You have Tim Hardaway, you have, uh, you know, Charles Barkley, Duncan in the phone posit Max. There's just a ton of shoes being released or, you know, being made during that time. And it's wild to me that like, like these guys are all in, yeah, like you said, all in shoes that are potentially like guard shoes, right? Oh, that's the shoe I was thinking of. The the Nike Air MZ3. I don't know if you guys remember that. It had the chrome piece on the side and a big Air Max bubble. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was Wennington or Longley wore that shoe, but it's a pretty wild shoe. Um, I wouldn't, I I know, I don't think it's ever retroed, but it's kind of, it kind of reminds me like the Hawk Flight um, or like just the flight 97 that was like kind of the, the more general release for the year. Anyway, I, I could co- probably go on for days about all of these. <laughs> I got to see that one. I haven't, I don't remember that pair. What do, what do we got left? I guess like we've pretty much touched on everything that, that's been worn except for Jordans, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to save the, like the best for last, right? I mean, I, I guess best would be a really kind of relative term because it depends on what kind of sneaker fans you are, but most iconic for last. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think we can all agree. Like Robbie said, MJ set the tone for all of this sneaker stuff anyway. So okay, why are we here debating whether or not it might be, we all know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, Michael Jordan starts off the 97 season in the air Jordan 12 at some point, you know, around all-star weekend, his birthday, Presumably, I don't remember exactly the date that he wore the 13 for the first time, but 13 shows up and as as is tradition for for MJ playing in, you know, the kind of white, red, white, black colorways of the shoe and then saving. I don't know. I don't know. Best for last, maybe. I would say All-Star Weekend is thinking about it. He wore the 13 and All-Star Weekend, which is February which is about that time you were just saying. So, you know, listeners, if you know the exact date and you're a super geek, and I know you people are out there, um, can you confirm if you wore the 13 for the first time 
when he won All-Star MVP. Or Mike, if you're just chilling, you want to come let us know. We'll, we'll take that too. <laughs> exactly. So I, I totally got sidetracked and I was, I, I was digging a little bit and it was Jason Caffey that wore the oh. Nike MZ3. Not that I'm as nerdy as whoever's going to answer that question. <laughs> we're, we're all here for a reason. This is, this is not only yep. just a podcast. It's also a therapy session for those of us that obsess over this stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's true, man. All right. So where are we at? MJ's worn the, the 12, the 13. Pippin's transitioned midseason from the Pippin 1 to the Pippin 2, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're heading into the playoffs. Yeah. And the playoff 13 is one of my favorite Jordans that I've never owned. I wish they would retro that one. It's not giving me these random color 13s. Just give me a pair of playoffs. I mean, those are great ones. But this Nightwing, I was talking to him a while ago, and he was arguing that the 13 has the best OG colorway releases. You know, when you take them all into and take them all into consideration those four shoes like can stand against any other four jordan shoes that release and i don't necessarily agree but i have a hard time disagreeing because when almost every jordan what release there's some pair i don't like like visually i'm just, there's something it's one of the four one of the five don't work for me but the 13 from the he got games as they'll be called later to the playoffs, to the breads, to the low tops. Like they just all brought something different and good to the table. What were the four original 13? So we had, oh, I guess it's the cherry playoff, black, red, and was it the, the, the or five? It wasn't just four. Um, okay. Yeah, playoff, cherry, flint, uh, I'm getting, yeah, there's five. I, I can see them in a line in my head, but I can't say them all. <laughs> I guess the he got game would be the last. Yeah, that'd be five. But that's that's just mids. So yeah, that, that's not counting the low tops. But yeah, so one more time, he got game, cherry, flint, playoff, bread, and then you had the metallic navy low, the chutney. And yeah, those were the original ones. Yeah, there are seven original five high tops or mids, if you will. But I mean, each of those, I mean, so like we call it the playoff, right? Like Nike didn't have to go and tell us, call this shoe the playoff. Like Michael was so big that just anybody watching the playoffs or watching the All-Star game saw this shoe and was like, oh shit, that's the new Jordan. I need to go get that. Like, I love him. I love that team. They love something about it. And that formula would just grab someone and bring them in. So like all of these, even like cherry, like nobody, it's called true red. It's not even cherry red, but like they all just like organically came from somewhere. Yeah. And that's just, again, this speaks to what Michael Jordan, like we wouldn't be sitting here having a podcast conversation if it wasn't for Michael Jordan. Again, I have to agree with you. <laughs> Very true. Yep. But I mean, like, so that, that's, I mean, that's legendary, right? Going from the 12 to the 13, probably two of the top 10 
most beloved Jordans. And you have those going on. But then in the finals, he pulls out, which I've always thought was a freakish looking shoe. Um, you know, it's just like he pulls out even more footwear. I'll, I'll, I'll titillate it at that. But just like he kept upping the ante like he knew he was leaving. <laughs> like, okay, this is my last run. This is my last dance if we want to, you know, quote. But it's like no, no, all the stops were taken out, like doing everything in one yeah, season. It, it is pretty crazy. I mean, so I guess like that, that's, that's kind of my question. What's the craziest thing about this whole, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like keep it to quote the last dance, but let's say the, the, you know, the <laughs> 96 to 98 bulls in your guys's opinion. The craziest thing about the team or the sneakers. Let's, let's stick to the sneakers. Cause obviously we're about, to, mean, we're about to find out about <laughs> the team. <laughs> the crazy stuff, but oh yeah, no man. But the this is such a if you look at the sneakers from this last those last three championships, it was just so memorable. I mean, you have of course the Jordans, you have the more up tempos, you have all Rodman's gear, everything on the court. I could argue at some rhyme or reason is a classic, and that might have been one of the pinnacles of NBA and sneaker like culture meshing together of like everything on this court from this team is a, like, you know, a legit banger at that point. I'm going to get real deep with my response to Nick's question. So in that season, and this is all rhetorical, who won MVP that year? Michael Jordan. Who won all-star MVP that year? Michael Jordan. Who won finals MVP? One Michael Jordan. So that's three MVP awards. So the craziest thing is definitely starting with the Jordan 12, then going to the 13, and then the last game pulling out the 14. Like three MVP awards, three crazy Jordans, three iconic moments. It's just all, I think, good things and bad things happen in three. Which one do you guys believe in? The good things or bad things? I like to be positive. Yeah, good things. Let's go with good things. <laughs> but it's just like, man, circling back to the whole nickname thing and just how organically it came from Michael and his performances, like, I don't even care about the 14 and just I respect it like it is like <laughs> – a national treasure like th- that photo of him doing the cross or as some would say pushing off and reading the shot like my eyes go to the to the hands and the feet and Russell on the ground but it's, it's, it's just like those shoes were just like the last shot's the perfect shoe nickname for Michael it's the perfect shoe nickname for Michael Jordan like you can't tell me there's a better one if you say bread, I'm going to slap you. But like, <laughs> it's, it's just so, it's just such a powerful moment. I mean, like that wasn't the reason why people fell in love with Michael. But I think that's the reason why people will never stop loving him is like moments like that. And I think that's the top of it. And those darn Ferrari looking 14s. 
Last side note, please stop making Ferrari looking 14s. <laughs> Queen is like, leave that. Let the inspiration be the inspiration. You don't have to make literal ones. Yeah, I want to talk trash on those, but I have to say those yellow ones look pretty dope. I won't buy them, but on the shelf, they look nice. Yellow, red, the all black ones, like the perforation, man, it's like it's like Pumas. It's cool from afar. <laughs> a little too much, but... Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the craziest thing about the 14 to me is me being a car guy wasn't originally into that shoe at all. What? Yeah, I I love the story. I love the emblem looking like the Ferrari emblem. I love I love like pieces of it. But aesthetically, I when it came out originally, I just was not into it as much as I was like I I bought a couple of pairs of 13s when the 13 came out. I was working and it was mm-hmm. like cool like i bought like my first pair was the the white and blacks um and then i had like the chutneys and i i don't now i almost regret not being into that shoe because every time i see a like clean colorway i'm into it like i don't necessarily like the like brush suede the, the yellow or the red on the like ferrari ones and I'm not a big fan of like the quilted on the newest black Ferrari inspired one, but like some of the like gray colorways, some of the just like the the, the specifically the ones with the like smooth sides, right? You know, because the low of the 14 had like, I think the low had all those lines, right? Like, um, no, the, it was a it was a mid. The lows were well, they had mixtures too because the the low like the Lannies had a smooth side panel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So as long as it has a smooth side panel, like I'm not, it's like candy cane is one of them, right? That's what they call now. Like that that shoe I'm not into. It has to have the smooth side panel on it, but. It's like the black toes. You like those. Black toes are dope. Like the, the, um, I forget there was like the gray colorway. There was like, uh, I mean, oh, the oxidized, the oxidized. Uh, yeah, the indigo and the oxidized, yeah. what green, whatever. Those are clean. Yeah. I love that shoe. I want to see. Even it. there was like, there was no. even like a really off-colored one that was like desert or something. Oh yeah, it was like the desert sage before that Yeezy colorway came out. Yeah, and I actually was really into that shoe, but I, I mean, I don't know why I didn't buy that one either. But I don't know. It's just a weird for for some reason. Me and the 14 have never connected. It's one of the few original Jordans that I've never owned. And I probably need to change that as I sit here discussing it. I'll probably be on <laughs> eBay looking after we get done. Well, dude, you know what it is? I love the 14, but they're hard to wear. Last pair owned were the Georgetown that came out in 2011. It's that asymmetrical collar that makes them so difficult to wear because with pants, half your pants are going to be up, other half is like leaning the other way. And it's just really weird looking to me. But I love the shoe, which is is just a contradiction to me half the time. It's the tongue, man. That tongue is so ugly. I mean, the tongue, yeah. That's like one of the <laughs> yeah. ever seen. Like, and and the, like the, the rubber little like piece on top, if, if you could just cut that off and put a new tongue on it, I'm with it. But unlike Nick, I like the perforated lines on the side. I think they look cool. But never really connected with me either. But is you got to respect greatness. It's like that's that's the last shot too. And in my my mind, I almost like block out the wizard's ears to a degree 
Yeah, but like, the 16s are fire. I, I look at the shoes, though. It's, yeah, it's just like that. What a way to say goodbye. I still don't get why he came back. Like, that's the perfect way to – that should be the last photo we've ever seen Michael Jordan playing basketball. It's imposing in the last shot, 14. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. It's tough, you know, being – being basically like a super Jordan fan, you know, like un- until Allen Iverson came along, like Jordan was like my obsession. And not that I still don't, you know, obsess over Jordan and Air Jordans and all of that stuff. But I do wonder, you know, I, I do kind of think that the Wizards years were just like, meh, you know, throwaway years. Yeah, and there was great shoes, but there's nothing that's ever going to compare to this bulls dynasty as you know, we talk about these sneakers and talking about these players. I mean, there was like truly great players on this team and Michael Jordan, you know, to me might not have done it in a friendly way, but he made them all better. Right. Whether it was on the court or off the court or, you know, and, and I'm curious to see how he'll be, how he, he will be portrayed in this documentary, but I think this is, you know, something that six, six out of seven years winning titles. I don't think we'll ever see that again. I think that the level of competition has changed. The game has changed. And, you know, there's plenty of arguments to be had, whether, you know, the new generation or the old generation or the old, old generation. But <laughs> to me, like looking at this and talking about all these sneakers, the takeaway for me in in this like era of the bulls is just how much they shaped everything about pop culture. Like it is just unbelievable how much, how popular the sneakers that they all wore and how many stories we have for that are tied to this, like, you know, three season, four season run or whatever. And the craziest thing about it is like, you know, Robbie, Robbie kind of hit it on the head with with the wizard stuff, because if you think about that last shot, the shoes getting the nickname from the last shot, the fact that he wore the 14 when he wasn't really supposed to be wearing the 14 and the kind of, you know, obviously like the the like, you know, holding the pose as he knocks down that shot. It's almost like here was the perfect bookend to an incredible career and an incredible dynasty for this team. And I just don't know that we'll ever see anything like it again. It's like writing the perfect ending to a story and then being like the end dot, dot, dot penis. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's, it's wild, man. But so I, I guess like I would pose that question to anybody that's listening go through the shoes we'll we'll, i'll put together a list we'll have a list on the site um by the time you're listening to this and obviously let us know what you think of the documentary we're all curious we're going to be watching it as well but what was the takeaway from this era of the bulls the sneakers the team the last dance the drama all that stuff let us know what you thought what you're thinking And we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening. Um, I guess that pretty much wraps it up, right? Anything else you guys got? Uh, I just want to go ahead and put a 
a Twitter poll out there. Who's more likely to buy 14s first, me or Nick? Because <laughs> I think every time we have a conversation, one of us is like, I just want to go buy it now. We talked about it. Uh, Dennis Robinson on that team. <laughs> that's, that's my parting take. Hot. <laughs> Wait, say Dennis again? Rodman's overrated on that roster. Like I think Tony more important. Ooh. Uh, starting issues already. All right. Well, we've officially hit our time limit, so we're not going to get into that. On this <laughs> but hey, we appreciate everybody listening. My name is Nick Engvall. You can follow me at Nick Engvall on all the platforms. Uh, more importantly, just follow at Sneaker History on all the platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, <laughs> consider becoming a Patreon member over at patreon.com slash sneaker history. And guys, let them know how they can find you. Yep. Uh, Mike Gillery, you guys can find me, of course, on Sneaker History and then on IG and Twitter at MadWatcher789 and on YouTube at Mike Gillery. Robbie. You can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702. Right on. We appreciate you all and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See you. Bye. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew, become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question, and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.